Monday night, May 6th at the Hyatt Regency in San Francisco. You're invited to join athletes and celebs at the Bay Area Sports Hall of Fame Enshrinement Dinner. Be there to celebrate this year's class featuring Olympic swimmer Jenny Thompson, San Jose Earthquakes legend Chris Wondolowski, Niners Super Bowl hero John Taylor, Sharks icon Patrick Marlowe, and the architect of the Giants dynasty, Brian Sabian. Be a part of this star-studded evening benefiting Special Olympics Northern California. To purchase tickets, visit Bayshoff.org. That's B-A-S-H-O-F.org. We're getting you ready for the game on The Build-Up with news from around the league, interviews, highlights, and more. Here's your host, Ted Ramey. Duchesne centers again. Harrington, nice defensive play, blocked it. Duchesne again. What a monster shift he's having here. Works it free. Thrown back behind the Sharks' net, but Granlin got bodied off the play. Nice job by San Jose. And the Sharks will try to pick it up, but they lose it. This is trouble. It's going to be a breakaway. Sharks caught in a change. Johansson moves in. Backhand chance as he deked. The save made by Reimer, and then he stops the rebound and a severe angle shot, also by Johansson. Two spectacular saves by James Reimer to keep the score three to one with 18 minutes gone by in period number two. James is very good. James is very good. You know, I thought early on we had some glaring chances early, maybe the first half of the game, and you know, then I thought the the script flipped a little bit uh, the second half of the game. So. All right, good morning, everyone, and welcome to the buildup as we get ready for game number two of the San Jose Shark season, taking on the Nashville Predators. One thing we saw yesterday was, again, another just really solid performance from James Reimer. I thought that he didn't have anything to do with why the Sharks lost. The goals that were given up, um, you know, those that, those are good goals. He was put in a bad situation. You can only expect so much. The Sharks have to be better overall at reducing the number of odd man rushes they give up. And if you listen to Morning Tide at all earlier this morning, one thing that I really noticed is that they've got to make zone entry harder for Nashville. They have got to do a better job of slowing them down because Nashville did a good job of entering with speed and creating space and suddenly they were right up in Reimer's face or ripping shots and it's just something that you know you can't expect to have a good result when all was said and done. So these are things I'm looking for in game number two of the season. Um, reduce those odd man rushes make it harder for them to get into the zone. For the offensive side of the Sharks, you want to make sure that you are also, and I'm not coming up with anything wild here, but you want to have sustained puck possession in the offensive zone, get high danger chances against their goalie. You want to get into the slot. You want to get you know right underneath the dots and get in their faces, get underneath the defenders. This is what the Sharks did not do consistently enough yesterday. This is something we're going to be paying attention to today because it's one of my big talking points. How are the Sharks going to do when they are faced with the necessity of bouncing back from a loss? And because over the last couple of years, we would see these things start to snowball. Now, one thing I will point to that we saw last year and we saw yesterday is just the importance of how good having really good netminding is. Because if you look at what the Sharks were in the 2021 campaign, yes, it was abbreviated, but you know the, the goalies just weren't playing up to snuff. And then in the last couple of years before that, Martin Jones had not been what he had previously been. So it's something that we're going to be paying attention to. And we're probably going to be a little bit extra sensitive about. But watching Reimer yesterday, very impressed and pleased with what he brought to the table. And then this morning, we are going to be obviously be paying attention to Capo Kakinen. What is he going to be able to bring? What is he going to be able to do 
to keep Nashville off the board and to make sure he's not giving up juicy rebounds and make sure that he's just, you know, overall in command. Because with Capo, I think that we look at his body type. I think we look at the way the Sharks viewed him, the fact that they wanted to go out and make a trade to acquire him. This is, in many ways, the the goalie of the future. Not that there's anything wrong with Reimer, but, you know, Reimer's not getting any younger. So Capo, we saw him in limited capacity last year. And now we're going to get to see a lot more of him. So, I, you know, I'm excited for that. We saw, you know, a limited sample size last year, but I want more and more and more from Capo. And I'm excited to see what we're going to get from him today. Um, if you listened at all yesterday, I had more of that interview with Curtis talking about the Sharks' entire outlook of the season that I did want to get into. And uh, when we left off, we were talking about potential from Mark Edward Vlasic. And I was bringing up the fact that in that game against Berlin, uh, I liked what I had seen. Yeah, and I just thought it was interesting yesterday to watch him in the uh, game against uh, Berlin. I, you know, I, I thought I saw some some moments where it looked like he was trying to prove something. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. And I think he does have in his mind, uh, you know, he does want to sort of prove something that he, he is still uh, one of the better defensive defensemen uh, in the uh, in the division or in the, even in the league. So, um, so yeah, like I said, it, it's going to be interesting to sort of. See him see him play this year and see if he can kind of uh, get back to where he uh, closer to where he was a few years ago. We just saw what Tomas Hurdle did in a contract year and earning that extension, and now we watch Timo Meyer coming off the best individual season of his career. Should we expect something similar from Timo? And then, you know, your thoughts on his ceiling? Yeah, I, I, I think I don't think that's unreasonable to expect something around uh, you know thirty to thirty five goals or. Uh, you know, you know, sixty to seventy points. I don't think that's unreasonable. He's obviously going to be a staple on the uh, on the top power play unit and and play you know eighteen to twenty minutes a game with alongside uh, Tomas Turtle and and uh, you know potentially down the season Barabanov or right now uh, Luke Cunning uh, is on that line too. So I don't think that's unreasonable to expect sort of a similar season to what he had last year. I think that's what he expects. Out of himself, you know, obviously when you talk to him, he, he just says, you know, the biggest thing is just trying to help this team win games. But, mm-hmm. um, you know, when you're on a contract year, sometimes that could be, um, you know, sometimes you could have a little bit of a distraction in the back of your mind if nothing gets done. So uh, he's trying not to think about uh, about the contract. He doesn't really want to focus too much on the numbers. Um, he just wants to, uh, you know, try to help this, uh, help this team improve and, and, uh, you know, get back to being more of a competitive situation, but, you know, the better he does, obviously that the, the better for the best, that's better for the, for the Sharks overall. What about Logan Couture? He's a guy who I felt maybe last year was not as appreciated as he should have been because he does so much, uh, you know, both offensively and defensively and, you know, works extremely hard out there on the ice, but maybe doesn't have the same numbers that he did earlier in his career. Um, you know, do you expect that to change at all this year? Or should we just expect to see more of the captain kind of grinding out there and doing doing the dirty work? Well, I think you know, he he'll always be one of the better top, you know, two-way defense or two-way two-way centermen um, you know, in the league here, at least in my opinion, as he gets the he gets the toughest assignment every night, mm-hmm. uh, especially on the road. You gotta try to match up against the other team's top line. I do. I do tend to think Logan, at least from a statistical standpoint, will have a little bit better year, just because uh, you know you figure he's going to have some some more consistent line mates around him this this season as far yeah. as his winners go. I mean, last season it was kind of a mishmash of 
of wingers he would, he would be playing with. And, you know, sometimes, you know, uh, you know sometimes he was up with, you know, a, a Nick Benino or a Matt Nieto uh, were on his wings. You know, very good forwards in their own right as far as being very solid two-way guys, but maybe not necessarily, especially in a, maybe in a Matt Nieto's case, not necessarily a guy you'd look towards for a ton of offense. So, um, you know, having maybe a, a Lindblom in his left side now and, We'll see if uh, you know Kevin LeBanc. He's he's up on that second line too right now. We'll see if he can have a bit of a career renaissance under a new coach. Uh, if not, maybe a uh, you know a William Eklund can kind of slide into that spot too. That's a possibility uh, somewhere down the line. But at least from a, a new, I do think with with some better line mates around him, some more offensively minded line mates around him, he'll that uh, Logan Butcher will have uh, a bit of a bounce back year for at least from a from a production standpoint. What did you think about the comments that Quinn made about Bordalo and Eklund uh, the other day? They're they're there in Europe, but you know I don't know if we were expecting them to play. Yeah, I, I my, the way I kind of look at it for now, and, and I might be I might be wrong on this, but the way I look at it for now is that you know the Sharks still have to try to trim their roster before you know Friday's Friday's open here. They still got to get down to twenty three guys. So you know my guess is that they they. Uh, uh, they, they they probably you know they assigned Wecklin, Bordelow, uh, and Seasick down to the down to the bar or down to the Barracuda to start to try to get that number and place a, a fourth player on waivers. Maybe a a Jeffrey VL would be would be kind of uh maybe that fourth guy to sort of get down to twenty three players. So you know the, the, you know David Quinn has been happy with 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 both of those young guys. You know as far as their progress and their 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 willingness to sort of learn here a new system, maybe a new way of doing things. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the, the organization has been, been very clear that, you know, they're going to be patient with, with, with their prospects and, and their young guys, their, their guys who are just kind of cutting their teeth in, in North American professional hockey. So, um, so we'll, we'll see what happens over the course of the year. I don't, I, you know, it wouldn't, in my opinion, anyway, wouldn't hurt for, for those, for those guys to play a few games with the Barracuda, you know, play big minutes down there and then you know, get more used to the North American pro game and then come up at some point later in the year. Um, but we'll see, we'll see what happens. You know, injuries, injuries happen, you know, performances maybe dictate that you make changes too. So, um, you know, for now though, I, I think, I think maybe those guys would be just kind of, you know, on the outside looking in as far as the roster goes and then maybe trying to earn their way back uh, on the, on the big club uh, at some point later on. One of the big ones that I'm wondering about, Curtis, is Noah Gregor, because I felt last year he was one of those guys, along with Nick Benino, working very hard and were not rewarded for their hard work. I, you know, the amount of times that, you know, Gregor hit the post about as square as possible without getting a, a beneficial bounce was remarkable, to say the least. Um, you know, do you expect the pendulum to swing the other way for him? Well, I think towards the, the, the way he finished last season did a lot for his did a lot for his confidence you know he got to a point where you're right i mean every every shot was um you know he's one of the the team leaders in his shot attempts and one of the one of the one of the you know guy who just wasn't gonna find in the back of the net for for whatever reason i think towards the end of last season he got put on a line with thomas Borlo and rudolph Ballsters, and things really started to, to click for him as far as finding the back end of the net you know mm-hmm. getting more opportunities quality chances and I think he's hoping to sort of build off of that and and uh, take some of the momentum into uh, into this season. You know, I think he'll start the. It looks like he'll start the year with with Benino and and uh, and Matt Nieto as his line mates for for the start of the season. We'll see whether that 
whether that changes or not. But uh, you know, I think I think towards the end of last season, that did a lot for his confidence, and and uh, we'll see what he we'll see what he can do with it this year. He's still kind of in a, in my opinion, anyway. Still needs to prove it a little bit, but you know, I think he'll I think he'll uh, he has the tools to sort of you know to get there at some point. What's your big question heading into the season? Something that's maybe looming in your mind that you're waiting to see answered. Well, I'm waiting to see if, if you know, I'm saying they gave Kapokakian a two-year deal here in the offseason. I'm waiting to see if he could really start to establish himself as a number one in this league. You know, he's been, he's been sort of a backup, maybe a 1A, you know, throughout most of his, his, his career in the NHL. And this seems to be an opportunity for him, a chance to, to really sort of solidify himself as a, as a number one guy. That doesn't necessarily mean playing 60 to 65 games, but you know, playing, playing more, you know, 45, 50, 55 range, that kind of thing. I think that being that guy and, and that maybe that more of that workhorse that, that uh, teams have had in the past, you know, I think that's, that would be a good thing for him. And obviously that would be a good thing for the Sharks too, to see this guy sort of take a step in his career and, uh, and, uh, you know, sort of be one of those foundational pieces that this team can, can have around for, for a while. And obviously there's, there's questions on defense too, and, there, and there's questions up front. But I'm really curious to see how uh, how Capo sort of uh, responds now. Now that he's got a he's got a contract, and uh, you know all this all the opportunity in the world here to, to sort of figure out uh, if he can be a number one goalie in the NHL. All right, Curtis, we are here, man. The season is just about upon us. I appreciate your time as always. Keep up the great work with Bay Area News Group, and I'll see you at the rink soon. All right, man. Awesome. Thanks, Ted. Appreciate it. Again, that is Curtis Pashelka with Bay Area News Group joining me here on the Sharks Audio Network. And we've been having fun talking with Curtis about the things that we're expecting to see uh, in this upcoming season. Yesterday on the buildup, I had Shalina Goldman on. Again, we ran out of time, didn't have the uh, all the time I wanted to ask her about her thoughts on the upcoming season. And I asked her about her expectations. It, this is a process. It's going to take a while under new management and a new coaching staff and recovering from the cap. But are you expecting them to stay in contention as long as they can and then see where they are at the deadline? Do you think it's going to be a step back from where they were last year? Do you expect it to be a step forward? I mean, I I, I don't know I mean, because I haven't seen this team yet under Quinn. That's a big part of the equation. But where are you on all this right now? Well, uh, it just, you know, not just, you know, where they are, you know, how they are under Quinn. But, you know, I mean, you and I talked about this last year with that with that big break for the olympics it was like the tale of two teams Mm -hmm. they you know they were you know before that break you know they were winning a lot of games in ot you know they were still clawing back after losses um that that i mean that was the team that was in you know that was in contention and then the team that came back after the break they they couldn't win if their lives depended on it it was it was a completely different team um, and so it's, you know, there's all these different, you know, and there's all these different factors that come in. So I, you, it's, so you can't just look at last year and be like, oh, well, all of last year was, you know, was a wash. Mm-hmm. It's, it's, um, you know, and not seeing, you know, not having a whole lot of, you know, cause we haven't seen Quinn with the entire set roster yet. We haven't seen that, you know, cause with you know preseason they even had like a split squad game that one day and they won like seven to three against vegas but that's you know that was a split squad game yeah. and you know you don't it's it's i think it's gonna i think i don't think we're gonna even have a good idea of what this team's going to be even through like the first month of the season i think it's gonna take a few months to get to get an idea of 
where of where of where they stand and how well they can adjust to all of these different pieces. And again, Shalana Goldman covers the Sharks for NHL.com. And, you know, her assessment there of us not really knowing what we're going to get with the Sharks for a while, it's going to take a bit. I talked about this on Morning Tide this morning. I believe I've talked about it on Morning Tide yesterday. This is something that we are most definitely going to be paying attention to because the Sharks have a lot of new pieces. They have a new coaching staff. They have a lot of things to try and implement, and they have a lot of work to do. I think that's the the best way to put it. They have a lot on their plate and they can't try and, you know, just hork it down all at once. They've got to nibble at the most important parts to try and figure out how they are going to be a better team. Because, you know, this is this is how I view it right now. The, the Sharks are in the process of building themselves back up. But that doesn't mean they can't be ahead of schedule. And I don't think the Sharks are going to be a terrible team this year. And I don't think they will be a step back from where they were a year ago, honestly. when The more and more I look at the roster and think about what they are capable of, I think the idea is that they are going to be a bubble team, you know, and you want to stay in contention as long as you can. I don't mean contention for a title because, as I've said, it's that's unrealistic. It's possible, I suppose, but it's not realistic, and I try to work within the realm of reality. But you want to try and be a team that gives yourself a fighting chance so that when you are approaching the deadline, you have a reason to keep on playing hard, to think that you want to be a buyer and not a seller. That's such an easier thing to sell to your team as opposed to, hey, guys, it's over. Some of you might be getting traded, which doesn't exactly do much to boost morale. You want to be able to look at your team and say, hey, you guys are doing really well. Let's keep it up and we can try and bring in some talent to give ourselves a boost to see what we can do and get in the playoffs to make anything happen. Because yes, I understand that people think the Sharks need to tank and try and get all the talent in the world, but I've never been a fan of that ideology just because the Bay Area is such a competitive sports market. You have so many other teams. There's so much entertainment. You want to put the best product out there on the ice as much as you can. Actually, you know, it was interesting. I did get a, a good you know, come back from that thinking from Sheng Peng earlier this summer. If you look for the Sharks Hockey Digest podcast, he said, well, Ted, maybe it is okay because it is a, a such a competitive market that if the Sharks aren't good, people will pay attention to the Warriors and people will pay attention to the 49ers or, or the Giants or the Earthquakes or whoever else it's going to be. And I thought to myself, well, you know, there is there is some thought to that, that while the Sharks are bad, people just don't pay attention. They can go and look at another team. But, you know, I, I just always want to be relevant. I know how easy it is for people to forget and just not be in line with the team. And it's something that, you know, the the NFL does so well, no matter what the storyline is, no matter whether it's negative or positive, they won't let you forget. There is no news that the NFL does not want to make a huge story. And I think that if you are a team like the Sharks right now, you kind of have to look at that that ideology a little bit, that mindset of it doesn't matter if you're bad, it doesn't matter if you're great. Make people think that you are important. You know, the Giants, they, they've done a great job at patting themselves on the back even when things have gone wrong. They're out there having press conferences that seem almost celebratory, a very different scene than what we saw with other teams. And I'm not trying to take shots or anything. It's just something the Giants have done well. They've saying like, hey, we're going to have a press conference. You know, maybe we don't have the best stuff to talk about right now, but we're going to treat it like, hey, we're the Giants. And it's something that I appreciate. And I want more and more of that, of like that importance, like, hey, the Sharks might not be doing well, but it's important. It is relevant why they're not doing well, because we have such a sustained legacy of excellence. I know people are going to point to the fact that the Sharks didn't walk away with the Stanley Cup. Yeah, I mean, that's that's the reality of it. But 
I don't think they did anything quote unquote wrong. I think they kept themselves in the race and they kept themselves a part of the title hunt for the better part of 20 years. That's, that's a hard thing to go against. I mean, ask an Angels fan if they would rather have what the Sharks have or what they have right now. I, I bet they pick what the Sharks had for a long, long time. All right, we're just about out of time. Pre-game coverage, 10.30, live game coverage at 11, right here on the Sharks Audio Network as the Sharks host the Predators from Prague. For the San Jose Sharks, I'm Ted Ramey signing off. This podcast can be found for download under Sharks Hockey Digest on iTunes, Google, and Spotify. And on demand anytime on the Sharks Plus SAP Center app presented by Western Digital. All music by Yogi Yend.